For God so loved the world, he gave his only beloved Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Let nothing disturb you, let nothing make you afraid. All things are passing. God alone never changes. Amen. This past fall, I traveled with the delegation to celebrate the Diocese of Botswana's 50th anniversary. And in a recent uh, podcast with two other participants, I shared about this longing I experienced in Botswana. While the landscape and geography reminded me of home, I was not actually quite there. The rhythm, the cadence of the language, they sent me back home. Yet, it was not my mother tongue. Home fluttered in the air. I breathed the dusty smell that pervaded and invaded my nostrils. The songs of Southern Hemisphere birds reminded me of the Christmas mornings of my childhood. It all felt similar, familiar, and yet different from my country of origin. Even the spring weather, bursting with patterns, was inviting me to a familiar season, and, for, and my body knows October not as fall, and for seven years, familiarity has played hide-and-seek in the strangest way, the familiar but not quite it of the Botswana pilgrimage stirred up my childhood longings for intimacy and belonging. Of almost there, but not quite it. Longing not quite fulfilled. As we enter another Lenten season, we might find ourselves experiencing the same phenomenon, familiar enough to recognize its smell, taste, rhythms, yet actually leaving us with a longing for something more. Sometimes, Land is a landscape we have traveled for so many years that it feels dull and absent, absent, uh, absent of all it brags to be. If this is you, I suggest not to be disappointed or discouraged, but to pay attention to that longing. Follow its lead to pursue that which your soul longs for in love, intimacy with God. Occasionally, others, Lent does not feel like an invitation of love or intimacy with God, but quite rather opposite, the absence of love. Lent might feel like a strict parent whose relationship with his child has been driven by fear 
and solid boundaries expressed in the plethora of no's. It could be seen as a church making another power move, an institution wielding itself on us, making us feel guilty for all the ways we have fallen short of its lofty expectation and creating unnecessary boundaries for us. Lent, the joy killer, filled with scorn for our self-indulgence and shortcomings. This is it. This is not either. Lent is not a flat with God who is quite not enough, not quite there. No, the God who is a strict parent. Lent is an invitation to notice, then pursue. My question for us today is, what does love got to do with it? What does love got to do with Lent? Well, there's good news, my friend. Love has everything to do with Lent. Lent is about love. Lent is about actually opportunity to express our longing for God, for intimacy, for belonging, and love. In our passage today, we we zoom in on the dialogue between Nicodemus and Jesus. Rabbi Nick is like us struggling to understand who God really is. What is he really doing? He's stuck. He's stuck in his institutional understanding of the way God works. He's missing the opportunity to see the true invitation of God to a sacrificial love. He has misunderstood the expansive nature of God's love that actually heals all our deepest wounds, satisfies all our deepest longings, and moves us towards the love that changed the world. In their conversation, Jesus introduced Nicodemus to a paradigm shift about the kingdom of God. This idea of being born anew. While Nicodemus, as a teacher of the law, affirms Jesus' origin and connected to God's agenda, he cannot wrap his head around this concept of being born again. Jesus asserts no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of flesh is flesh. What is born of the spirit is spirit. And that Nicodemus and everyone else for that matter must be born from above to enter the kingdom of God. How can this be? Nick begs. Of course he is confused as he takes Jesus literal. Nicodemus 
is stumbling as Jesus trying to get him to reimagine a religious institution. All together, through an analogy Nicodemus cannot relate to, physically and spiritually. As a man, he cannot and he will never not given birth. Neither has his religious institution give him a proximity to it. Nicodemus was institutionally separated from seeing women giving birth. It robbed him of the opportunity to see the intimacy depicted in that act between the child and the mother. The act of sacrificially giving jubilation and intimacy that comes from a mother and the child working together to bring life and breath to the earth. So it is difficult for Nicodemus to imagine a love that is embodied, simultaneously sharing of blood, breath, and life. It is interesting to know that the passage that is sandwiched this exchange of Nicodemus, they are loaded with depiction of Jesus' loving interaction with women. At the wedding in Cana, the dialogue between Jesus and his mother demonstrates a parent-child love expressed through familial obligation. In this case, duty and obedience. As Jesus changes water into wine at the request of his mother. In chapter 4, in Jesus' exchange with Samaritan women, he exchange, he gently speaks about the kind of love that can quench the longing for intimacy and the sense of belonging. She's also desperate for. He stays at the well when no other would be there. He speaks and listens where another would not. He offers what no other can. He even asks to receive from her hand a cup of water, which his physical body needed, an act in which a Jewish man then and a man would not ordinarily ask a Samaritan woman. Meanwhile, Nicodemus participated in a patriarchal and religious system that made women to be separated from theological and religious imagination. The saying or the philosophy of out of my out of sight, out of mind was so prevalent in the cycles of power, and Jesus was disturbed about it. For the male custodians of the religious institution. The idea of intimacy and belonging was particularized. It made the religious establishment to focus on who was in. Religious performance was defined by who was not supposed to be part of the institution. Instead of what or who the institution was meant to serve. In this first encounter of Nicodemus and Jesus, we see Jesus expanding the universality of God's love in a particular connection with him. For God so loved the world 
that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. He's inviting Nicodemus to something that is embodied. The temptation embedded in the religious institution was to strive for a life of empty religious performance in the temple. Jesus sharply disapproves of this kind of temple and finds that appalling. He tells Rabbi Nick that the kingdom of God is for those who are born again in spirit. So why do we have Lent? Because God the parent loved what God self-created so much that he gave his only child. The idea of love, give, give love and giving go hand in hand. This is what I call a labor of love, the work of love. Love is sacrificial. Love is a duty and responsibility. Love is about quenching our longing for, for intimacy and, long, and belonging. The Lenten season is an invitation to the place of receiving and giving love. Let, Lent is about acknowledging our, int, our longing for intimacy and belonging. It, about, it is about vulnerability, reflection, dialogue with God and others. Our longings are prompt to explore how we love God, how we love neighbor, how we love self. So, so let, me, let me ask you then, so what, what spiritual habit that you want to imitate in this Lenten season? What do you want to give up? Or what do you want to take up for your love of God? We are invited to be to imitate and to, to be intimate and belong to God. I know that is work and that's a labor of love. What spiritual action or discipline or practice are you willing to inhabit for your beloved? Could it be confession? Could it be meditative, reflective work? Could it be praying daily? Could it be giving alms to the vulnerable or forgotten? Could it be advocating for the sidelined and neglected? Whatever it is, let us follow our longings for God and for more. Let us be encouraged by St. Teresa Avila's view of intimacy with God. Let it be a vision for us in this Lenten season. When she says, as a woman and a lover, however I move by the sight of my beloved, where he is, I want to be. What he suffers, I want to share. Who he is, I want to be. Crucified for love. Let nothing disturb you. Let nothing make you afraid. 
All things are passing. God alone never changes. Amen. The Chapel of the Cross is an Episcopal church in the heart of Chapel Hill and the university community. Find out more at thechapelofthecross.org. There you can find our latest news and events, connect with our pastoral care team, Faith in Action Ministries, and offer a prayer request. You can also find us on social media, on Instagram at The Chapel of the Cross, and on Facebook and Twitter at C-O-T-C, Chapel Hill. May you be nourished by the word to serve in the world.